Hey, you're listening to the Quarry Podcast. Get ready to be encouraged and uplifted with us today. But tonight, I'm going to talk to you about, oh man, about some things that God has been dealing with me about. Is it okay to share those with you? This is going to be telling a little bit. God has been asking me some very tough questions. (laughs) So I'm going to pass those tough questions along to you because they've actually been helping me so much. I'm so grateful for the way that God's word has been changing my life lately. And it's really, really exciting to realize that God's word can change my life every day. Like, it's been helping me so much just because I've been taking a little extra time to get into it, just because I've been listening and I've been asking. And when God asks me the tough questions, I don't just bury it and then, like, move on like he didn't say anything to me. So this message tonight is called Dead Men Don't Sin. Dead Men Don't Sin. If I was a country singer, that would be a song. But I'm not. I'm not any kind of singer. So... Romans 6, we're going to look here tonight from the Passion Translation. I would love for you guys to actually read this whole chapter this week, okay? You can make a little mental note. I'm not trying to sign homework because nobody likes homework, but I am telling you if you read this chapter, it's really good and it's really going to help you. But I'm just going to read a handful of verses here as we get started. It says this, so what do we do then? Do we persist in sin so that God's kindness and grace will increase? What a terrible thought. We have died to sin once and for all as a dead man passes away from this life. So how could we live under sin's rule a moment longer? Or have you forgotten that all of us who were immersed into union with Jesus, the anointed one, were immersed into union with his death? Verse 6 says this, Could it be any clearer that our former identity is now and forever deprived of its power? For we were co-crucified with him to dismantle the stronghold of sin within us so that we would not continue to live one moment longer submitted to sin's power. This is the verse that really jumped out at me in the verse from which I took the title of this message. Verse 7 says this, Obviously, a dead person is incapable of sinning. And if we were co-crucified with the anointed one, we know that we will also share in this fullness of his life. But verse 7 says, Obviously, a dead person is incapable of sinning. In the, in the verses prior, he was telling us, hey, remember, the old you is dead. When you received Jesus and you were baptized, the old you was literally put to death just like Jesus. It was crucified just like Jesus. And you were raised to walk in a new life just like Jesus. So he's saying, listen, you, you've been a dead man. You were crucified. Dead people are incapable of sinning. And this really struck me because I, it's a big thought for me to stand here and say it's possible for me to live life without sinning. Not only is it possible, but it should be my commitment and it should be my number one goal to live life without sinning. And a lot of people just check out right then and there because they think it's literally impossible. Morgan, I can't live without sinning. And I even struggle with that a little bit. Can I live completely free from sin, never sinning again? My mind wants to just be like, nope, that's not possible. That's an unachievable goal. You're going to sin again. But listen, the Bible is saying, obviously, a dead person is incapable of sinning. So that's what I want to talk to you guys about tonight because I want to challenge us to say, 
We can live lives without sin. And I'm going to tell you how. Don't let yourself think, well, that's impossible. Well, I could never. Well, that doesn't make sense. Well, that's unrealistic. That's the kind of thing that I would say, well, listen, that's just kind of an unrealistic goal. Obviously, I'm going to make mistakes. No, the Bible says, obviously, a dead person is incapable of sinning. So I want to challenge us tonight because I see so many Christians, and I've just been hearing, gosh, so many people that I admire bring this up lately, that Christians are just tolerating sin. Just because they're like, eh, it's not a big deal. We're humans. We sin. It's what we do. God loves me. And that's such a dangerous mindset because it completely excludes you from the way that God actually created you to live. You were made to be crucified with Christ, your old sinful nature dead, and alive in his life. So why do we tolerate sin? And I'm not talking about Christians who sin because we're all Christians who have sinned, right? Because we're human, okay? So I do want to make a distinction here. When I'm saying Christians who tolerate sin, that doesn't just mean Christians who sin because that has been all of us. We have all sinned. We have all made mistakes. And I know that before I die, I will make many more, okay? But there's too many Christians that are tolerating sin, celebrating sin, accepting sin, and making excuses for sin just because, well, you know, God loves me. I just, I don't think he really cares. He loves me. He forgives me every time, and there's new grace and new mercy every day. That is certainly true. There is new grace and new mercy every day. But when the Bible is so blunt and so challenging to say, hey, do not allow sin in your life, it's really Ah, just like it has me shook to see so many Christians just living in sin as a choice. They're not just making mistakes. They're not just slipping up. It's not just their human nature, right? We all do all of those things. But it's Christians who are actively choosing to have sin in their life because they're saying, it's okay, God still loves me. He absolutely still loves you, but you're going to have a miserable train wreck of a life. (laughs) You will miss everything that he's prepared and planned for you if you're just happy enough to stand there and say, well, God loves me. Well, sure, that's never going to change. God loves you. No matter what you do tonight, no matter what you do tomorrow, no matter what you did yesterday, he loves you. But that is not enough for you to live the life that he's created for you. Knowing that God loves you is not enough. We need to feel the way that he feels about sin. And I'm talking about this because, you know, I had to ask myself this really hard question. This was one of those hard questions God brought to me. How much of the sin in my life is truly because I'm human versus how much of the sin in my life is there because I'm not doing anything about it? Because I'm fine living with it every day. Because I think it's not that big a deal. Because listen, I am human. I will make mistakes. But if I'm being super honest, most of the sin that's in my life is there because I'm choosing to let it stay. I'm just not doing anything about it. It's just sitting there in the corner, and I'm letting it sit there in the corner. That's on me. That's not my human nature. It is a choice. How much sin in my life is actually because I'm human Versus how much is actually because I'm fostering it and I've taken it in. And I've said, well, it's okay because God still loves me. That's a hard question to ask yourself. But it has been so helpful for me to wake up and look at some of my issues and say, is this there? Because I struggle with this. Or is it there because I'm letting it be there? Right? How much of it is there because I'm letting it be? 
I was convicted because I found myself saying a couple times lately, well, listen, I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best. I'm not perfect, but I'm doing my best. This is embarrassing, but the Holy Ghost literally had to stop me and say, are you doing your best? You know, I'm doing my best. I'm not perfect, but I'm really, I'm doing my best. And he said, are you really doing your best? And when I looked at myself, I wasn't really doing my best. I was just giving my best excuse, which is not the same. (laughs) It's not the same at all. Am I really doing my best to keep sin out of my life, to do what I know to do to be free from anxiety and depression, to walk in love and treat everybody with kindness and fully forgive everyone of everything? Am I really doing my best or am I just giving my best excuse that lets me sleep at night? I want to remind you tonight, this is why I'm going to go hard on this. Sin doesn't make you a bad person. Sin doesn't make you gross. Sin doesn't make you weird. Sin doesn't make you anything, any of those words. But sin hurts you. The reason God is so severe in his words about sin is because he sees how much it hurts you. He loves you the same no matter how much sin is in your life, right? He loves you absolutely 100% the same. But he's very bold and very strong in his statements about sin because he can see how it's hurting your life. And I've said this before. Sin is not just bad things. Sin is not just, uh, you know, a list of things that God doesn't like. Sin is anything that's coming between you and God. And it's helpful for me to think of it that way because, uh, you know, sometimes you're like, well, I'm not doing this and I'm not doing that and I'm not doing this and I'm not doing that. Well, okay, but there are things in my life clearly that are keeping me from God. My relationship with him isn't what it should be because I'm letting things come in between. And that's how we need to think of sin. God hates the sin in your life because it hurts you and it keeps you from him. The other thing to remember about sin is that sin is hurting the church. Your sin does not just hurt your life, it hurts the church. The cool thing about the church is that we are the body, or the, excuse me, the Bible says we're like a body. Right? All of us together are the body of Christ. That means we are connected. Judith, aren't you glad to be connected to me? We're connected, so what I do affects him. And the same for every single one of you in the room. So if I'm letting sin in my life that hurts me, it's going to hurt you too because we're all connected. And I was so shaken one time by this girl I, I worked with. Um, She was like one of those people who's super spiritual. She wasn't a Christian, but she was a very spiritual um, girl. And she asked me like a lot of questions and had a lot of interest in spiritual things. It was open to like spirits just of all kinds, both ends, both ways, all the ways. So we had a lot of uh, fruitful discussions. They were very interesting. But she always was interested to hear what I had to say. And she thought it was different to find a Christian who believed in, like, angels and demons and believed demons could talk to people and stuff like that. So we were on the same page with some of this stuff. But she had said one time she was, like, I, she was just asking some questions. And she was, like, I just don't understand you Christians. I just don't understand it. She was, like, it's so weird. And I'm, like, well, what do you mean? She's, like, well, you guys just don't do what you say you believe. And I was like, well, what, like, what do you mean by that? She was like, well, doesn't the Bible say don't have sex before you're married? And I was like, yeah, the Bible does say that. And she was like, well, then why do all of you do it? Like, this is a great question. <laughs> why, why does everybody do it, right? But it was so jarring to hear her say, I don't understand Christians because they're so loud about what the Bible says we should do. Yeah. And then I see them doing the complete opposite. Right. This doesn't make 
sense. If this is what you say you believe, why don't you do it? And so in that way, our sin is hurting the world. As if their sin didn't hurt their own lives enough, that's a girl that I really believe could have been a Christian and could have been very interested in church, except for the fact that she's like, why do they sin? And the Bible says, don't sin. It doesn't make sense. So sin is not just hurting you, but it's hurting everybody around us. It's hurting our family in the church, and it's hurting the people in the world that we are trying to love. Our sin hurts them. So... Remember, obviously, a dead person is incapable of sinning. I want you to think that tonight. I want you to remember that tonight. And I want to challenge us to stop, start approaching life a little bit differently. And I have three things I want to challenge you with tonight. And they're strong statements, but I love you guys, and that's why we're talking about it. And these are the same things that I'm telling myself right now. Number one is to stop acting like we're incapable of having consistent daily habits. Stop acting like we're incapable of having consistent daily habits. I've been talking a lot about the simple things lately. Reading your Bible and praying and being loving and being forgiving. But it is shocking to me still how Christians just struggle to read their Bible and pray. They struggle to read their Bible and pray. Most of us really want to read our Bible and pray. Most of us say, yeah, like, I, I really want to do that, but it's just hard, or but I just, I'm so busy, and it's hard to find time, and this and that and the other. But stop acting like you're incapable of doing something daily. We all do so many things every single day. You know what I do every single day? I shower. And I don't complain about how hard it is, and I don't think twice about it, and it doesn't get to be 10 o'clock at night, and I'm like, ah, dang it, you know what, I didn't shower today, I did it again, I forgot, you know, I just ran out of time. I don't do that. <laughs> I eat three meals every day. It does not reach 10.30 at night, and I'm like, ah, oh, shoot, you know what, God, I'm, I'm really sorry, I meant to eat today, and I just didn't. No, we don't forget to do those things. I go to work every single day that I'm scheduled to go to work. I don't call my boss at 4.30 and be like, gosh, wow, I am so sorry. I just, I didn't have time today. I really wanted to come in, but I, I don't know. I just was really busy. I had a lot going on, so I didn't come in, yeah. right? These things sound ridiculous because they are, but I promise you are capable of consistent daily habits. We do what we enjoy doing and what we are required to do. So teach yourself that spending time with God is something you enjoy and something that you require yourself to do. And I know I'm talking to you straight, but these are the things that will change your life. Christians tolerate sin, I believe, simply because they're not spending enough time with God. I don't truly think that you can have a living, vibrant, consistent relationship with God and not have him uh, speak to you about things you need to deal with in your life, right? I don't struggle with wanting to drink, and let me tell you why. It's because I spend time with God every day, and I talk to him, and he's real, and he talks to me, and our relationship is alive. That, for me, has been the huge key of not only um, sinning less, but just not even wanting to sin, you know? Some people are going through life, and they're, they're not sinning, but they're struggling with the desire to. And I'm not criticizing anybody for that because we all face that as humans. But listen, there's an easy solution. <laughs> Simple, consistent, daily habits. And we're giving ourselves a free pass by saying, well, it's just, I don't know, it's hard because I'm busy. We have time for what we want to have time for. 
This is the harsh reality that I am walking myself through every day in my life right now. If I reached the end of the week and I didn't have time to get done the things I wanted to get done, I'm looking at myself saying, well, you had time. You just spent it elsewhere. What do I need to change? If I didn't get that project done, I spent my time in the wrong place this week, and I didn't get that done. It's the same with God. We all have the time to spend with God. And God is flexible. He will let you hang out with him anywhere. You can be in the car. You can be at school. You can be sitting on a park bench. You can be waiting after practice for your mom to pick you up. It's not hard to spend time with him. And that consistency will allow us to really start walking free of sin. Stop acting like we are incapable of having consistent daily habits. Are you guys okay? All right. You can air out your pits if you need to. I'm sweating. That's why I said that. It feels toasty back here if you just need to give yourself a little fresh air. Second thing, stop acting like sin isn't disgusting to God. And listen, I'm saying this stuff to me too. The little things I let slide, why do I think God is okay with that? Why do I think God is okay with that? Stop acting like sin isn't disgusting to God. Proverbs 6 says this in verses 16 through 19. There are six evils that God truly hates. So God hates sin. And a seventh that is an abomination to him. Putting others down while considering yourself superior. Spreading lies and rumors. Spilling the blood of the innocent. Plotting evil in your heart toward another. Gloating over doing what's plainly wrong. Spouting lies and false testimony. And stirring up strife between friends. These things are entirely despicable to God. And I just wanted to bring out this verse because although it's a list of some specific things, we need to realize that there are things God hates. God is a loving God. So I often think of him as just a loving God. But he is a God who hates some things. He is a God who hates some things. And he hates sin because of what it does for us. He loves us perfectly but he hates the sin in our lives because of what it does to us. So I have to be really honest with myself and say, that sin that I'm letting hang around in my life, God hates. He hates it. He still loves me. He's still willing to talk to me and help me and encourage me. But when I'm harboring sin in my life, I'm literally keeping things around that God hates. We've got to start making sure that we see him really accurately. I heard an amazing uh, message on the fear of God recently. And the guy had said um, he got to interview somebody. I don't think you guys would have heard of him. I barely knew who he was. It was before kind of our time. But he was like a televangelist in the 80s, which basically meant he was like a really well-known TV preacher. And he had got in trouble, his ministry had all kind of collapsed because he was, um, I think they, they caught him like having prostitutes at his hotel room. But he also went to federal prison because he was stealing money from people through like some kind of mail order or something. So this was a really famous public guy. He was on TV and his whole ministry um, went down because of some choices he had made. Well, this guy on this podcast had the chance to interview him and he said, like, you know, you were such a great preacher and God was using you in this, you that. Like, at what point did you stop loving God? And the guy said, oh, I, I never stopped loving God. And the guy who was interviewing him said, no, like, you know, you must have at some point, like, you did these horrible things and it all came out in the news and you embarrassed your family and, and now you're in prison. When did you stop loving God? And he said, I never stopped loving God. I stopped fearing God. 
And that is not to say fear in the sense that we need to be scared of God. But I've been checking my heart to say, do I really honor and show reverence towards God and his presence? It is a huge deal that God speaks to me. It is a huge deal that I can feel the presence of God. In the Old Testament, people who were exposed to the presence of God died because their body couldn't handle it. They hadn't been saved yet. They weren't covered by the blood of Jesus. So literally exposure to God's presence killed them because he's a holy God. And we're sinful humans. And when that sin comes in contact with the holiness of God, it would kill a man, which is just crazy to think. But those words just struck me. I never stopped loving God, but I stopped fearing him. And again, this isn't to say be scared of what God's going to do to you. God loves you and God only does good things. But I, I am fearful of getting to a place where I take God for granted and I call myself a Christian or I call myself a pastor or I call myself anything and I, I'm standing around tolerating sin in my life, which God hates. That's a dangerous, dangerous place to be in, to walk around pretending to love God and, and truly loving him. Like that pastor said, I didn't stop loving God, but, um, you know, I, I stopped being afraid to be without God. Because that's where sin will put you. Sin will put you in a place where you can't experience the presence of God. It's not that God left you, but it's that you put things between you and him that created so much distance you can no longer hear him. I didn't stop loving God. I stopped fearing God. And it's so important to see sin for what it is. It's disgusting to God, and he hates it. It's disgusting to God. And he hates it. And when you really love somebody, you won't keep something in your life that they think is disgusting. That's what ends relationships, right? Friendships or people who are dating or people who are married. If somebody has things in their life that you think are disgusting, you're not going to stay around them. Now, God is gracious enough that he does still stay around us and he does love us. But when we pile those things up and we let them stay and we let them grow, we will put ourselves at such a distance that we can't hear him anymore. So I don't need to be afraid of God, but I do fear a life without God. And I fear fooling my own self into thinking that I'm a Christian or a pastor or anything else if I were harboring sin in my life and keeping that around because God hates it. So let's stop acting like sin isn't disgusting to God. The third and final thing is stop acting like we don't have the power to overcome sin and put it to death. And here's the good news, okay? I've said a lot of things about sin <laughs> that sound kind of negative and intense tonight. But this is what the power of Jesus' blood did. It gave us the power to overcome sin and to put it to death. And here's two verses that have changed my life in this way. Two verses that I pray for myself and I speak over myself quite a bit. The first is in Jude chapter 1. It's verses 24 and 25. It says this. Now unto him who's able to keep you from stumbling or falling into sin. God is able to keep you from stumbling and falling into sin. And to present you unblemished, blameless, and faultless in his presence, or excuse me, in the presence of his glory, with triumphant joy and unspeakable delight. To the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory and majesty and dominion and power before all time, now and forever. But I want to... I want you to write that down or take it in your notes or I'll give it to you like after service or put it in your phone. 
Jude 124, now to him, the God who is able to keep you from stumbling or falling into sin. God is able to keep you from stumbling and falling into sin if you let him and if you ask him. Too many times we're acting like we cannot overcome the sin in our life. And God is saying, no, you absolutely can through me. <laughs> I'm the key to you overcoming sin in your life. So I understand if you're saying like, well, Morgan, yeah, I, I don't want to be in sin. I, I want to change. I, want, I don't want to do this anymore, but I'm having a hard time. If you feel like that, I would challenge you to, to realize you're probably trying to just do it on your own. God says, listen, I am able... <laughs> to keep you from falling into sin. So start asking him to do that. Ask him for his help. Say, Father, I know that you are able to keep me from falling into sin, so I ask you to help me with that today. I pray things like this. Holy Spirit, if I'm about to say something I shouldn't say, speak to me, please. Father, if I'm about to do something that I shouldn't do, speak to me. I want to hear you. I want you to talk to me. I want you to interrupt me when I'm getting ready to sin. I want you to get my attention when I'm making a choice I shouldn't make because your word says that you will keep me from falling into sin. And that's the good news. You don't have to do it on your own, but you do have to invite God to be a part. He's not just going to bust into your life and start changing everything because he gave us a free will. But that means we can choose his help anytime that we want to. And I love this next verse as well. Philippians 2, 12 through 13 says this. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it's even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Or another translation says he'll give you the desire and the power to do what's right. I have prayed that more times than you know, but that takes care of everything, right? Sometimes we genuinely want to do the wrong thing. Have you ever been there? I have, right? I've wanted to be nasty. I've wanted to be mean. I've wanted to go to an event I had no business being at. I wanted to hang out with people I had no business hanging out with. Sometimes I genuinely wanted that. So I used to be like, well, I don't know. Like, I want to do the wrong thing, so how do I not do the wrong thing when that's what I want? Well, God is saying, listen, I'll give you the desire to do what's right. I'll change what you want if you'll just ask me. I'll help you turn that around if you'll just ask me. So changing your desire is a big part. But then also, sometimes we desire to do what's right. Ah, but then we're just, we're just really not strong enough to do it, right? We get in the situation, we want to do what's right, but then we don't. Well, this is where the other part of the verse comes in. He says, I give you the desire and the power to do what's right. That is all you need. If you invite God and ask him to give you the desire and the power to do what's right, you'll have everything you need to do what's right. And it doesn't mean everything is going to change overnight, but as you begin to pray that, I believe things will rapidly change because they really, really did for me. I don't want to do what's wrong. Doesn't mean I don't make mistakes, but I don't want to make mistakes because I've asked God to give me the desire and the power to do what's right. And his word promises that we can do that and we can ask him for that. So when we do, then he will. So I want to challenge you tonight to stop acting like we don't have the power to overcome sin and put it to death. Nimi, are you good? Okay, awesome. In closing tonight, I'm going to read in Philippians Excuse me, I'm not reading in Philippians. I'm going to read. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I got discombobulated. Uh, I'm going to read in Romans where we opened. We started in Romans 6, and I'm going to read Romans 6 again, but from the message it says this. So what do we do? Keep on sinning so God can keep on forgiving? I should hope not. Woof. 
If we've left the country where sin is sovereign, how can we still live in our old house there? Or didn't you realize that we packed up and left there for good? This is what happened in baptism. When we went under the water, we left the old country of sin behind. And when we came up out of the water, we entered into the new country of grace, a new life and a new land. Verses 12 and 14 say this. This means that you must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. Don't give it the time of day. Don't even run little errands that are connected with that old way of life. Throw yourself wholeheartedly and full time. Remember, you've been raised from the dead into God's way of doing things. Sin can't tell you how to live. After all, you're not living under that old tyranny any longer. You're living in the freedom of God. I'm telling you, read Romans chapter 6 every day. There is so much to think about in this, but it's also so exciting to know sin does not have to rule my life, and it cannot rule my life when I don't let it. So this is what God has been challenging me. Stop making excuses for those little things in your life. Stop making excuses for sin. Stop acting like it's because you're human, because we're not meant to live this life just as humans. I've been thinking about this lately, too. The Bible says Jesus prayed that it would be on earth as it is in heaven. Why am I doing things on earth that I wouldn't do in heaven? Would I ever be mean to someone in heaven? No. Would I ever act embarrassed of my faith or embarrassed of Jesus in heaven? No, why am I doing it on the earth, you know? Would you ever look at porn in heaven? Think about it. That gets weird. No, you wouldn't. So why are you doing it here on the earth, right? Would you ever smoke a joint in heaven? No. (laughs) God forbid, no. (laughs) No, And, and it sounds a little silly, but it's actually been so challenging to think of it that way. If I'm to live on earth as it is in heaven... Why am I living on earth differently than I would in heaven? I don't know. It's just food for thought. This is the end of my message. But <laughs> Thanks for listening to this message. To learn more about what's happening at The Quarry, check us out on social media 